If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday, the 2nd of June, and we're brought to you, as always, by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, keeps your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks. It's a quiet day, but there's still some stuff to talk about. So let's start with the news that England announced their Euro 2020 in 21 squad. And it goes as follows. Jordan Pickford, Dean Henderson and Sam Johnston are the goalkeepers picked. Pickford and Henderson were always going to be in the squad, despite the fact that Pickford's had a poor season. Henderson hasn't always been first choice for United. Nick Pope, you'd imagine, would have been the third goalkeeper, but a knee injury rules him out. And Sam Johnston is the best of the rest. Now, I would have taken Ramsdale purely because the third choice keeper is not going to play, and neither of them are very good. But Ramsdale is at least young. There's a possibility he improves and becomes quite a good goalkeeper. I think Johnston's going to be run-of-the-mill for most of his career. But, you know, congrats to the fella. He gets to go and experience it. It's a nice change of pace for him after the dreadful season he's just experienced with West Brom, conceding 76 goals. In defence, Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Harry Maguire, Kieran Trippier, Tyron Mings, Connor Cody, Ben Chilwell, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Reese James are all selected. You will note there are four right-backs in that group. Now, the argument has been made that if England play a back three, Walker and Reese James can both play on the right side of that back three, and that's fair enough. However, there are a number of central defenders who would do a much better job in that role than either of them. Kyle Walker, I don't have any issue with. He's had a good season. He's a good, solid fullback. Is a little bit error-prone, can give away penalties. But defensively, he is the best of the group. There's no question about Luke Shaw. He had a great season. Best left-back in the league this Premier League season. Stones had the best season of his Man City career. Maybe the best season of his career full stop. He does deserve to be in the squad based on form. Maguire was always going to get picked, but he does come in carrying a serious injury doubt. They're already suggesting he will not play in the first game. So that's a concern. There's no argument for Kieran Trippier being in the squad. None at all. He's not as good as Walker. He's not as good as James. He's nowhere near as good as Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I would say that Kyle Walker-Peters... Aaron Wambasaka and Max Aaron's would all have been better picks. And I know Aaron's played in the championship, but I don't think that should rule anybody out. Because let's be fair, Sam Johnston is now a championship player. He may have played in the Premier League this season, but he got relegated. I would have brought Freddie Woodman, the Newcastle goalkeeper, on loan at Swansea instead of Sam Johnston. If James Justin had been fit, he would have been massively deserving of a spot in this squad uh, instead of Trippier. But he's not fit. Trippier still shouldn't be in. Tyron Mings had a flat-out bad season. 
he is in because he's left-footed. No other reason. Nobody can have watched Aston Villa for the last 16 months and suggested that Mings is better than Konza. Konza has been carrying him up and down the field for 16 months. And Connor Cody had a shambles of a season. Can't play in a back four at all. Can sit in the middle of a back three, but only in the middle of it. So is there a potential for a back three with Cody in the middle and Maguire on the left? Because any team with pace is going to absolutely annihilate that. No problem with Ben Chilwell. Came good at the end of the season. Did play well throughout the season, but didn't establish himself as the first choice left back at Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel. Was in and out, rotated with Alonso, but a talented player and deserving of his spot. Trent had a poor first half of the season, a great second half, but his body of work over the last three years, you could even say four years, including the 17-18 the season, makes him absolutely deserving of his place. I wouldn't have brought Reese James. I would have brought two right-backs, Walker and Trent. I, I don't know why Southgate is insisting on bringing four right-backs. Ezri Konza, Ben Godfrey, Fakayo Tomore, all should have been in the squad. They're better than any of Mings, Cody, or the Walker-James centre-back options. And Godfrey can play as a holding midfielder as well, so he gives you extra depth in midfield. In midfield, Declan Rice is picked automatic. Jack Grealish is picked. Jordan Henderson, despite the major concern over his injury. Calvin Phillips, who's also coming off an injury. Jaden Sancho, Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Bakayo Saka, and Jude Bellingham. It's a very strong group of midfielders. The, the one doubt is over Henderson. With the injury. Delighted to see. Bikayo Bikayo Saka. And Jude Bellingham. In the squad. I think they both deserve it. I think they've both had great seasons. I think they've both had tremendous seasons. Saka in a very. Disappointing Arsenal team. Was one of the few bright spots. And Bellingham just went to the Bundesliga. And put his stamp on it. What a tremendous player. He is going to be sensational. And then the forward options, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Now, there was some people uh, a little put out that Danny Ings wasn't included. Ings didn't have a particularly good season because of injuries. He started the season brilliantly, but look at his form once the injuries started to kick in. He never really found a good good rhythm. Some people suggested Ollie Watkins, but I don't know who you'd drop. Can't drop Kane. Kane is Kane has to be in the team. I get that there's people frustrated that Raheem Sterling hasn't necessarily shown up at international tournaments. And he hasn't had a good season. But Raheem Sterling is one of England's three best players. Marcus Rashford has had a rough couple of months, but he did have a good season. There's no doubt that Marcus Rashford had a good season. He scored 21 goals in all competitions. Now, he did play 57 games, but he's played through injuries. He's, he needs surgery after the Euros. So I don't think he should really be questioned. And I think Calvert-Lewin had to go. I really think he had to go. And he's been in great form since making his England debut. Four goals in seven appearances. He had a good season with Everton, banging in 21 goals in 39 games. So I don't think you can argue that Dominic Calvert-Lewin deserves to be in the squad. The only areas I think you can take real issue, Sam Johnston and the defence. The, def- the defence is awful. Like, let's be really honest about this. That is a dreadful collection overall. You've got three or four good players, three or four very average players. A couple, couple of those average players are, you know, they're flat out bad at times. Yeah. Midfield is strong. The attack is strong. Now it's going to be on whether or not Southgate can find the right balance. I'd wonder who the player was that was left out to put in Trent. My guess is Jesse Lingard. My guess is that Jesse Lingard was to be in the squad. 
and that the public pressure got to Southgate, and that's why he made the change and brought Trent back in. Because yesterday, everybody in the media was saying Trent won't be in this squad. And there was uproar. But we've been told that Lingard will start the friendly against Austria this week, today. That, to me, is a little bit of a, you know, sorry, but enjoy type of, you know, situation. So it's a strong squad. Defence is a mess. The defence will be their downfall. You put that up against France, Benzema, Mbappe, Griezmann, and they're going to absolutely torture that defence. But going forward, they should cause teams problems. It should be quite a fun team to watch. Now, considering the injury issues, Maguire and Henderson, what I'd like to see is Southgate be brave. Dean Henderson in goal, Trent at right back, Shaw at left back, play Walker and Stones as the two centre-backs. I know Walker doesn't have a whole lot of experience as a centre-back in a back four, but he is six foot. He's well-built, he's very quick, he's used to playing next to John Stones. I think he'd be all right. I think he'd be all right. In the absence of Maguire, you'd much rather have Walker there than Cody or Mings. Nobody should want to see Connor Cody or Tyron Mings start a game for England in this competition. In midfield, then you go Bellingham, Rice and Mount. And then up front, you go Foden, Kane, and Sancho. And then you've got game changers off the bench. You've got Sterling. You've got Grealish. You've got Saka. You've got Calvert-Lewin as a different option up front. You've got Rashford. I don't expect him to start at 11, but that's what I'd start. I think that's the best 11 he will have available for the first game with great options off the bench. It's going to be interesting. It's not the easiest group in the world. They've got Croatia, who dominated them in the World Cup. Now, that Croatian squad has aged. There's not a whole lot of fresh blood in the squad. It's, you know, it, it is what it is, but they're a better team than England. As a team, individually, England, I mean, Luka Modric is 35. He's not the player he was two years ago, three years ago now. I think England have the better individuals, but that Croatian squad, they've been together so long. They know each other so well and they play for each other and they have a set way of playing. I think that's going to be really difficult. The Czech Republic are intriguing. Some really talented players. One to watch, Adam Hlozek, the youngster from Sparta Prague. I'll be interested to see Alex Kral, the defensive midfielder from Spartak Moscow, who's been linked with Chelsea, or sorry, linked with West Ham, uh, potentially following the Thomas Suchek, Vladimir Sufal route. Patrick Schick, well known to a lot of people, plays for Bayer Leverkusen. He's been at Sampdoria. He's been at Roma. He's been at Leipzig. Talented player. Frustrating at times. It's a strong squad. David Zimmer. He's an interesting one. He was at. He's at Slavia Prague as well. Looked good in their Europa League run. And then Scotland. And you know they'll be up for it. Like, you just know they're going to be really up for this. And there's a lot of talented players in the squad. Everybody knows Andy Robertson, Scott McTominay, Kieran Tierney. Everybody knows them. But Callum McGregor is a very talented football player. Che Adams, obviously, has had a decent season with Southampton. One I'm really looking forward to seeing in the tournament is David Turnbull of Celtic. He's... Very, very talented. Great delivery. I think Billy Gilmore being in the squad is exciting. They don't have the individual talent that England has. But you just wonder if the togetherness 
if the dogged determination to win will carry them a little bit. They don't have great experience. The only player with more than 50 caps is Craig Gordon, who's probably the third-choice goalkeeper. Um, He's 38. But it's a strong squad. It's a well-balanced squad. Good players where you want them. Maybe the lack of a goal scorer is going to be an issue. I mean, John McGinn is the one I missed. He's he's had a really good season for Villa. I think most people think John McGinn is, is a very good player. So him and McTominay with Christie in midfield, McGregor in midfield, Turnbull in midfield, they go 5-4-1 and just try and outwork England. That's That's very possible. Very, very possible. England are going to have the work cut out. They really are going to have the work. They're not going to get through that group easily. Anyway, we'll move on. So, also yesterday, it was confirmed, as I discussed on the the show yesterday, that Carlo Ancelotti has left Everton. He has gone to Real Madrid. The response among Everton fans has not been positive. To say the least, uh, many of them have not taken it very well. And it's understandable. I mean, he had he had talked the talk. He had said he wanted to be there. When they moved into the new stadium, he talked about, you know, challenging for the title. He talked about being there four, five, six years. The project and all of this. But at the end of the day, the project wasn't going anywhere. They finished 10th. Their home form was an abomination, among the worst in the league. Their away form was excellent. But the style of football wasn't great. The recruitment was haphazard, short-term. There was big questions over James. There's questions over Luca Dina's future. And Carlo had never done a rebuild before. So was he the right man for the job? Carlo was the Hollywood appointment for Everton. He was the big, big name. And it was a huge coup for them to get him, even though his stock had slipped because he'd been sacked a few times. He was still a huge name. He's still a three times Champions League winner. And he's heading off to Real Madrid. So he's still got scope in the game. He's still a draw. But he just never felt right for Everton. He didn't feel like the guy that was going to take them forward. It never felt like he would be there for four, five, six years, even though he he said he would be. He's taken a massive pay cut to go to Real as well, which is an extra slap in the face for Everton, who were paying him around 12 million euro per year. He's going to Real for six. Now, you'd imagine at Real, it's six, but if you win a league or you win a Champions League, there's probably a huge bonus of maybe the same amount again. So, yesterday I went through the different options, and I do think of those that have been mentioned, Nuno Espirito Santo is the one that fits best. However, it does look like he may well be going to Crystal Palace. Apparently, he's been in talks now with them for three or four days, and they're getting close to an agreement. So if he's off the board, then what? Rafa Benitez has been mentioned. Now, I don't think Liverpool fans would have a massive issue with Rafa going to Everton, but I do think Everton fans would have a massive issue with Rafa going there. They had a massive issue when Ronald Koeman had red baubles on his Christmas tree. I don't think they're going to want Rafa at all. Despite how great a manager he is. Because he managed Liverpool for so long. And because the year they finished fourth, ahead of Liverpool who finished fifth, Liverpool won the Champions League and that's all anybody talked about. And Everton fans didn't take that well. Steven Gerrard has been mentioned. There's not a hope Everton fans would accept him. I don't think he'd accept the job. 
I have doubts that Rafa would accept the job. The other ones out there then are Eddie Howe. There's there's flaws with Eddie Howe. Recruitment is a flaw. Defensive structure is a flaw. He's a little bit power hungry. He's yet to prove he can build a team up and up and up in the Premier League. He can do it in the lower leagues and get them into the Premier League. But what can you do in the Premier League? Couple of good seasons, couple of bad seasons. Relegation. Graham Potter's name's been mentioned. Now, he would obviously be a slightly different case in terms of the Premier League managers because they'd have to pay to get Graham Potter. How much, I don't know. But Tony Bloom, in an interview with The Athletic, did say if an offer comes in and Graham wants to take it, as long as it's a respectable offer and we're looked after, we won't stand in his way. So if Everton did want him, he is potentially available to them. I've seen Everton fans online say Conte, um, Simeone. Simeone's not going to go to Everton. Now, it's not nothing against Everton. I just don't think he'll come to England. I don't think Conte would go to Everton, but I do think Everton should place a phone call and at least try. I think it'd be worth kicking the tires on just to see. If they are serious about wanting to become a top club again, wanting to compete for honours, having real money to spend, maybe he'd be interested. I don't think he would, but maybe. They've got big decisions to make, and they need to make them quickly because there's other clubs out there still looking for managers. Tottenham, Palace, Wolves. Although it does look like Bruno Lager will will get his work permit. He has an appeal on his work permit. I think today, if that goes through, he should be appointed by the end of the week. But Everton need to make a decision and they need to make it quickly. It's it's a difficult one with Carlo going, especially for you know the board and the ownership who'd put a lot of work into getting him there. But for the good of the club, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't necessarily feel like Carlo was definitely the man that was going to bring them in the right direction. I do feel for the fans. I think it's, you know, it's obviously a massive disappointment. It happened so quickly as well. It broke Sunday evening that he was being considered. And by Monday afternoon, he's gone. And he's tweeting Hala Madrid just to rub it in their faces. I don't think he purposely wanted to rub it in their faces. He obviously wants to appeal to the new fan base. But that's how it feels to an Everton fan, I suppose. Is that he is, you know, walking away and and rubbishing you a little bit. Kevin De Bruyne looks likely to miss the first game of Belgium's European campaign. Uh, He will not need surgery on the multiple fractures he suffered to his nose and orbital bone but he is unlikely to play against Russia on June the 12th. You would assume if he does play games in this tournament, he's going to have one of those Phantom of the Opera masks. Um, Just have to hope he doesn't take any risks and that he doesn't pick up any further injuries. Uh, The Athletic are reporting that Crystal Palace and Nuno have been in talks over the vacant managerial position for the last couple of days. Um, the Athletic understands that the former Wolves manager is a serious candidate to take over at Selhurst Park with negotiations ongoing with his representatives. I, I Palace is the most difficult job to take over of all the Premier League clubs who change manager, and I include the two that went down, West Brom and, and Sheffield United. Sheffield United have obviously got the new manager. West Brom are still in their process. Spurs still in a process, now Everton begin a process. But Palace, you're walking into an empty room. Half the squad, if not more, are out of contract. Your best player potentially wants to leave. Your second best player, the future of your club, has a ruptured Achilles and is out for most of next season, if not all of next season. That's a really, really big undertaking. You would have to be certain you were going to get proper backing to even consider that job. 
it's not a squad that necessarily suits Nuno's football either. Like you'd be hard pushed to pick an eleven from the Crystal Palace team that suits Nuno's three four three or three five two. You really would be struggling like Milivojevic and MacArthur as the midfield two, Ferguson, Cahill and Sacco as a back three. Don't know who you'd play right wing back. Nathaniel Klein is better going forward than Joel Ward. Neither of them are, are good going forward. If you could keep Van Aanholt, he's he's the ideal wing back. AU Zaha and somebody up front with it with that with as he had injured. It's it's just it's not an ideal fit at all. That's a pretty ugly looking team. Um but if the ownership are, are prepared to put up the funds and prepared to back the new manager, and I would imagine that's why negotiations are taking so long, is that he'll want guarantees that, you know, number one, there will be finances, and number two, if they go down, he'll be given the chance to bring them back up. Leicester and Chelsea have both been fined £22,500 each for a brawl at Stamford Bridge last month. Now, there was no brawl. There was a little bit of handbags, a little bit of shoving. £22,500 each is... Well, it's... It's pocket change to Chelsea. For Leicester, it's I mean it's it's nothing in for any Premier League club really, but Leicester will feel it a bit more than um than Chelsea. Brendan might not be able to get his teeth whitened next week. But other than that, everything will carry on. Business as usual. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh it is award season. PFA and Premier League uh nominees are out. And we're also going to take a quick laugh at me. All right, back in a minute. Bye-bye. Right, welcome back. First things first, it is time to have a quick laugh at me. Um, Before the season began, and then at the end of the transfer window, I gave a prediction for a final league table. So I thought we might as well take the time to, to have a quick laugh at how how wrong I was. So bear in mind, both of these predictions were made before the injury to Virgil van Dijk. So in both, I went Liverpool first, Man City second. Liverpool finished third, City won the title. I went Spurs third in both. Um, Clearly bamboozled by, by Jose's track record, I suppose. Um, but as I've said before, I think not getting top four for them has been a dis- is a disaster. And it looks like they'll lose Harry Kane because of it. So it is a disaster. You know, they had no excuse. With the squad they had, they had no excuse for finishing seventh. Uh, five points off Champions League spots. There's no excuse for that at all. I, originally, I went Chelsea fourth. They finished fourth. Um, but again bought into the Carlo hype and went Everton fourth, uh, tenth. That's a bit rough. Um, initially, I had United fifth. I changed it to Chelsea fifth. United finished second. Chelsea finished um, Chelsea finished fourth. So, yeah, wrong. I had Arsenal sixth. They finished eighth. I did have higher hopes for Arteta at the beginning of the season. Um, I initially went Wolves seven and changed it to Leicester seventh. Now, Leicester finished fifth. It's not too far off, but Wolves obviously nowhere close. Um, I had Everton 8th. Originally, I had Everton 8th. Why didn't I leave them 8th? At least it wouldn't have been as embarrassing. Um, then I changed it to United 8th. I don't know what I was thinking. They had they'd such a bad start. They had a really poor start, and they looked awful. And I knew they were going to stick with Ollie regardless. So, yeah. It is what it is. Uh, I went Wolves ninth. They finished 13th. Very, very disappointing season from, from Wolves. 
I had Southampton 10th, they finished 15th. Halfway through the season, I thought they were going to outperform that prediction because they were looking very good. They beat Liverpool and then they fell apart. Uh, I went with Villa 11th and Villa did finish 11th. I went Leeds 12th. They finished 10th. No, they finished 9th rather uh, on goal difference. So I don't feel too bad about that one. I went with Crystal Palace in 13th. They finished 14th. They're, they're always in that mix. It's Hodgy. I went with Newcastle 14th. They finished 12th. I went Brighton 15th. They finished 16th. I had so much faith in Chris Wilder. I went with Sheffield United 16th. Uh, they finished nailed to the bottom of the Premier League. I went with Burnley in 17th. They finished 17th. I went West Brom 20th, they were 19th. I went Fulham 19th, they finished 18th. The one I got so, so wrong was West Ham. I had them to finish 18th. <laughs> they got 6th. Well, it is what it is. West Ham, Sheffield United, Manchester United. Everton and Spurs are the ones I got really, really wrong. The rest are, you know, within a couple of spots of where I thought they'd be. I did think Liverpool would have won the league. I think that I still believe they would have if Van Dijk hadn't got hurt. Even if Matip and Gomez had gotten hurt. If Van Dijk was there, him and Fabinho would have just been the centre-back pairing for the season. Henderson would have played the number six position with Thiago and Ginny Wijnaldum next to him. And I think they still would have won the league. But they didn't because Virgil got hurt. Um, right, it is award season, like I said. And the PFA nominees are out. So for the men's award, Bruno Fernandes, Harry Kane, Ilke Gundogan, Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden and Ruben Diaz. Phil Foden does not belong on that list. There is no way you can argue that Phil Foden had a better season than Mo Salah. None at all. There's no way you can argue that Phil Foden had a better season than Young Min Son. None at all. I don't think you can really argue that Phil Foden belongs on that list. He had a really good season, but he doesn't belong on that list. I would say Harry Kane or Ilkay Gundogan deserve that award. De Bruyne missed a spell with an injury. Fernandez tailed off at the end of the season. Diaz just wasn't as good as the rest of them. I would say Kane or Gundogan deserved that award. Gundogan was City's best player. Kane, most goals, most assists, probably probably deserves it. But it's a strong list. It is a strong it is a strong list of candidates. Uh, in terms of young players, Bakayo Saka, Declan Rice, Mason Greenwood. Mason Mount, Phil Foden, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, I don't think Declan Rice or Trent should be eligible for that award. And I'll tell you why in a second. The others all had excellent seasons. I would say Mason Mount is the most deserving of that group, of Young Player of the Year. Him or Foden. I don't mind if Foden gets that one as a young player. But I think Mount did have the biggest impact across the season, especially under Lampard, where he was carrying the team for long stretches. Um, Thomas Suchek should have been in the in the uh, the men's award over Foden. Suchek was brilliant all season long for, for West Ham. Even when Rice got hurt, Suchek was still excellent. Um, so the Premier League themselves have announced their own nominees. So they've got De Bruyne, now, the, the knock on him is he only played 25 games. He won 17, drew five, lost three. Six goals, 12 assists. Very, very impressive season. At the start of the year when City were poor, he was the only one turning up along with Gundogan. Then you've got Ruben Diaz, played 32 games, won 23, drew five, lost four. Scored one goal, uh, 15 clean sheets. 
impressive season, no doubt. Not transformational the way some people have tried to make it out, but still an impressive season. Bruno Fernandes played 37, 120, drew 11, lost 6, 18 goals, 12 assists. He had, he had a great season, but he did tail off at the end. You could see the exhaustion in his performances at the end of the season. He had carried that team from the day he arrived last January right through. He was carrying that team. Jack Grealish should not be on this list. Should not be on this list. Played 26 games. A couple of them were substitute appearances. Won 13, drew 4, lost 9. 6 goals, 10 assists. The numbers look impressive. But you go back and look at the eight games before he got injured. And while he had a couple of goals and a couple of assists, he did not play well. Grealish had about a 15-16 game run at the start of the season where he played really well. Then he tailed off. Then he got hurt. He had no impact when he came back for the last few games. Jack Grealish does not belong on the player of the season list. Um, Harry Kane... No-brainer, 35 games, 17 wins, 8 draws, 10 defeats, 23 goals and 14 assists. Super impressive season. Tremendous player, no doubt deserving of that award. Mason Mount, played 16, sorry, played 36, won 17, drew 10, lost 9, 6 goals, 5 assists. Had a good season, doesn't deserve to be on the player of the season nominees. Young player, absolutely. Uh, Mohamed Salah played 37, won 19, drew 19, lost 19, 22 goals, five assists. And if you look at his expected assists number, they were substantially better than Harry Kane's. Harry Kane's expected assists for the season was like four. But because of Youngman's son and Gareth Bale and some of the finishes that they managed to conjure, Kane ended up with 14 assists. Um, whereas Salah, because Firmino and Mane forgot how to score goals for large chunks of the season. Salah created a bunch of chances and nobody took them. And then Thomas Suchek, 10 goals, one assist, one assist, 38 games, 119, drew eight, lost 11. Played every game. The only one on the list that played every game. 10 assists from a deep midfield position is really impressive when he doesn't take set pieces. Now, I know a lot of them are headers and that at corners. But he's not a penalty taker. So 10 assists was a great return for him. I think Kane is the player of the year. If we're Kane or Gundigan, Gundigan's not on this one, which is a, a shambles. Um, how De Bruyne and Diaz can be on it and not Gundigan is ridiculous. Of this group, I think Kane should win this one. I think Gundigan should get the PFA award and Kane should get this one. Um, in terms of young players, and to go back to why I was saying that certain players on the PFA list didn't deserve or sh shouldn't have been on the list, the nominations are Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ruben Diaz, Phil Foden, Ilan Melier, Ilan Melier, Mason Mount, Marcus Rashford, Declan Rice, and Bakayo Saka. Ruben Diaz should not be on this list. Ruben Diaz costs 62 million pounds. So there's not the same expectation on him as there are on young players. This is also Ruben Diaz's fourth full season as a starter. Ruben Diaz has 187 senior games behind him at club level and 27 at international level. So over 200 senior games under his belt. He's not a young player anymore. He might be by age. He's not by experience. Dominic Calvert-Lewin has played five full seasons, including his season on loan at Northampton. But if you rule that one out, he's got four full seasons now at Everton. He's played 216 senior games in his career, plus seven internationals. Likewise, Declan Rice, fourth full season as a starter for West Ham, 148 career games, for the Hammers. Sorry, 145 senior games and 15 international games. Three for Ireland. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, Declan Rice shouldn't be on it. He's, he's too experienced. Same with Marcus Rashford. 
This was Rashford's fifth senior game. He's played 271 games for United already and 40 times for England. The guy's got 300 plus senior appearances. He's not a young player anymore. And as I said, the same thing goes for Trent. Trent made his debut in 17-18. He came into the team when Nathaniel Klein got hurt. He's played 179 games for Liverpool. Four full seasons. Sorry, he made his debut in 16-17 when Klein got hurt. Basically became the starter the next season. Somehow he only has 12 caps for England, which is laughable. But he's still got the guts of 200 senior games under his belt. I'm sorry, these players should not classify as young players. Like, look at the other ones there. Mason Mount, yes, this is his third senior season, but he he only had, this is his second Premier League season. So even rule out lower league stuff. Two seasons in the Premier League. I'm, I'm more than happy for Mason Mount to be there. Same with Saka, same with Melier, his first season in the top flight. Foden's second or third season, but he's only become a starter sort of this season. Last season did play quite a bit, but that's two seasons. I just, these guys that have two, 300 appearances under the belt, they shouldn't be classed as young players. There needs to be a cutoff point. There needs to be some sort of cutoff point as to what classifies you as a young player. And it can't be age anymore. It just can't be age. Because we've seen some ridiculous winners. Like Gareth Bale won the player of the year and the young player of the year in the same season. When he was about five seasons into his career. James Milner was voted young player of the year. I think it was like his seventh season. Or something utterly ridiculous like that. What year did Milner win? PFA Young Player of the Year. 0910. 9 Milner made his debut in the 0203 season. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Seven seasons. He had seven seasons under his belt. He wasn't a young player at all. Bale won Young Player of the Year twice, as far as I can remember. No, he won it in 2012-2013. He swept the awards. Funnily enough, he won Player of the Year in 10-11 and didn't win Young Player of the Year. But in 12-13, he did in what was his sixth senior season. Seven seasons after making his debut. Eight seasons, rather. It was actually season eight he won it. But the first season, he played two games. His first season at Spurs, and he played eight. So even if he ruled those eight, he had six seasons as a starter, as a regular player. He'd made well over 200 appearances. And they give him Young Player of the Year. Farcical stuff. Absolutely farcical stuff. He's the better part of 40 caps as well. So the awards need to be changed. They, they need to change how they do these awards. Um, Manager of the year, Bielsa, absolutely deserving. Guardiola, I mean, he won the title, so absolutely. Moyes, I think he's the manager of the year to finish sixth with that squad, given the expectations. Tremendous. Brendan Rodgers is, is a controversial one here because... For the second season in a row, he's bottled the end of the season and he's thrown away what should have been a certain top four finish. But he did win the FA Cup and he did still finish fifth, but I, I don't think he deserves to be there. I can't see how he can be there and Klopp isn't. Klopp finished third. And Oli, like, it's the, the emptiest second place finish in the history of the league. Someone really needs to put Ollie on a sunbed as well. He is he is scarily white. Um, so, yeah, the, it is award season. You can go on PremierLeague.com, look for the awards, and you can vote. Um, I think Moyes, like I said, is the manager of the year. Of the young players, I would go Mount. And of the senior players, I would go Kane. I think those are the most deserving of the uh, of those awards. In terms of PFA Player of the Year, I really hope Okay Gundogan gets it. 
I really hope he does. I think he deserves it. He was just phenomenal for City through their title-winning run. Um, I think that's pretty much it. So we'll just wrap up with the gossip, and then we will be done for the day. Everton will consider Rangers boss Steven Gerrard and former Liverpool boss Rafa Benitez as possible successors to Carlo Ancelotti. Um, Yeah, like I said earlier, I don't think either of them would take it. I certainly don't think Everton fans would accept either. But they should both be considered. Ex-Liverpool defender Jamie Carragher believes that the Anfield club's former manager, Rafa Benitez, is the ideal choice to take over at Goodison. It's very interesting that Jamie Carragher is voicing this opinion considering Jamie Carragher was one of the ones that helped drive him out of Anfield 11 years ago. So he was good, wasn't good enough for Liverpool then, but now, 11 years later, when he's not quite the same level of manager, he's good enough for Everton. It's an interesting take for uh, from Carragher. Um, Everton are also lining up Nuno Espirito Santo. That's from TalkSport, so you know, we, we put that in the bin. Um, Nuno is favourite to take over at Crystal Palace after three days of talks. Everton will wait until a new manager is in place before deciding the future of Moise Keane, with Paris Saint-Germain hoping to sign the 21-year-old Ford on another season-long loan. Everton should not loan him under any circumstances. He should be in their squad next year, and they should try and work something where they can get him in the team on a regular basis. Uh, it is from the spoofer with the catchphrase, so we won't put too much stock in it. Lionel Messi is close to agreeing a two-year deal to remain at Barcelona. It was always going to be the case. Um... Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy remains hopeful of being able to persuade Mauricio Pochettino to return to the club. Stop being a coward and ring Antonio Conte. Simple as that. PSG are confident the French or the Argentine will stay in the French uh, capital and have triggered a 12-month extension in his contract. It's interesting. Manchester United are facing competition for Jules Koundé as Barcelona are now keen. Well, first of all, Barcelona have no money. And secondly, United are not going to spend £90 million on a centre-back. Um, so I would imagine Jules Koundé finds himself playing for Sevilla again next season. Arsenal are set to complete the signing of Cameroon goalkeeper Andre Onana from Ajax for potentially as little as £1.7 million. If that's true, that is one of the great bargains. Now... He is obviously currently suspended. Um, he was suspended in February for 12 months for doping violations. Now, he says he accidentally took his wife's medicine. He has appealed the decision to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. But he is a brilliant goalkeeper. He would be a massive upgrade on... On burned Leno. A huge upgrade on Leno. Uh, he's out of contract next summer, which is why he's going to be so cheap. If, if they uphold that ban, there's no way Ajax can sell him otherwise. I mean, he'll just run down his contract. So they might as well sell him now and get whatever they can, which is a shame for them because, what, a year ago, there was talk of, I think, Tottenham and one or two other clubs looking at him for 30, 35 million. Tremendous goalkeeper. Maybe the best African goalkeeper of all time. It's hard to pick one that's better. Um, I know people say Mendy, but I mean, Mendy was born and raised and developed in France. So I don't think he counts. I, I, of course he counts because he's got the African heritage, but oh, in terms of African goalkeepers born in Africa... Developed in Africa, I, I I do think he's got to be high up there. Now he moved to Barca at fourteen, and then he went to Ajax when he was um, nineteen. But still, he was at the Samueletu Academy, so got his early schooling in in Africa. I think he's got to be the best goalkeeper, certainly the best now. He's better than Mendy as well. So I mean, it, that's neither here nor there. Um, Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich is personally driving the push to bring Inter Milan's Belgian striker Romelu Lukaku to back to the club. Thomas Tuchel will be giving up to two hundred million to spend this summer, say Metro. Barcelona's Bosnia midfielder Miralem Pjanic wants to return to Juventus. 
I would imagine Max Allegri would like him back as well. They they got on very, very well. New Roma coach Jose Mourinho will look to sign Gianluigi Donnarumma, who is set to become a, fre- a free agent. Now, that's really interesting because he Mourinho has a good relationship with Mino Raiola and has done a lot of business with him in the past. I don't know that Donnarumma would go there, but if Roma were willing to pay the wages, then possibly. Uh, Leicester's deal for Lille midfielder Bubakari Samare could be completed sooner than anticipated after the French under-21 team were knocked out of the European Championships. Stunning defeat. Stunning how that squad didn't go on and win that competition easily. I have no idea. But the fact that Camavinga was sitting on the bench means that the manager should be sacked. Don't care who else was on the pitch. He should have been there. Brighton are preparing a new bid for Argentine winger Alan Valesco uh, after Independiente rejected a £6 million offer for the 18-year-old who has also attracted the interest of Newcastle. And hopefully if they buy him, they play him more than they play Alexis McAllister. Manchester United are eyeing a move for sporting Lisbon midfielder Pedro Concalves. He would make a lot of sense for United. I think he would fit well with Bruno. But I don't think you could play him, Bruno and Pogba. Because then where do you play Rashford and Greenwood? Um, Leeds will explore alternative targets after being frustrated by Stad Brest's asking price for Roman Perot. Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's a good left back. He's not. He's not. The best left back, though I'd imagine they could do better. Eh, talented player. I still think they can do better. Sunderland want to sign Wolves defender Dion Sanderson on a permanent deal after the 21-year-old impressed on loan last season. I think Wolves would be foolish to let him go. I think he's very, very talented. And I think Wolves should be keeping all the talented defenders that they have. And that's it. That is the show for today. We must be out of here in under 50 minutes. That's impressive for me. Right. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Guy Drinkle. And thank you to Fox Hunt. Do tell your friends. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.